Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's guest is Josh Carey, who's the co-founder of PodMax. It's an event we've talked about on this show. In fact, we've had some incredible podcast guests join us from PodMax. It's literally one of the best online networking events where you can go and promote your business and get on some incredible shows. You can find out more at PodMax.co. He's also the host of the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. He spent 40 years in hiding. That's right. We're not talking about living in a cave somewhere, but not being true to who he is. We're going to be talking about that journey today and how you yourself can step into your own giftings and talents and be known and seen in the world. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Hey, wherever you're listening today, whatever you're thinking about today, you might be someone who you feel a untapped gift inside you. You might even be someone who you enjoy the podcast because maybe you aren't quite running a business yet, but you're sort of dreaming about that day of maybe one day I would be running a business. Maybe one day I'd be taking my talents and my potential and actually using it for something that's not quite what your nine to five job is today. Where today we're going to be talking about with probably my favorite hidden entrepreneur and someone who is out there killing it, making it happen in the entrepreneurship space. His name is Josh Carey, and he's one of the co-founders of PodMax, which, by the way, if you've listened to the podcast long term, you've heard all sorts of awesome guests who've come on the show through PodMax. Uh, PodMax, I think of it as one of my favorite places to network with other like-minded, incredible individuals, but it's also the best place to share your message, reach your audience, and grow your business. He also runs the Hidden Entrepreneur Podcasts, which you got to check out. It has over 200 episodes being updated constantly. It's pretty incredible. We're going to be talking today about what does it really mean to walk out your calling, to become the entrepreneur that you want to be, and to really influence people effectively. Josh, it's so great to have you on the show today. Blake, this is really a long time coming. You've been in our world for, I'm guessing, close to a year now, several months, certainly. Mm-hmm. And every time we cross paths, I'm like, you're one of the godfathers of the industry I look at. You are good at what you do. I've told you that before, and I'm happy to be on this side of the mic with you. Well, I appreciate the compliment. And and really, you know, it's it's great to have you on the show because I have only really known you through PodMax. Mm. And uh I think what has been fun about PodMax is, and for the listeners who haven't maybe... By the way, do you ever post any of the VODs or any of the um, uh, highlights from the the events online? Um, in, in part, we extract um, the keynotes are always seen in and around social media. Yeah. Okay. Well, for our listeners, I mean, we've, we've come out of this world of Zoom where everyone's on Zoom and everyone knows how awkward it can be to be really like the host of a Zoom call with multiple people where like, you don't really, like some people don't really have their mic turned on or their cameras off where it's kind of weird. 
The great thing about you, Josh, and it's one of the reasons why you stood out to me from the get-go is you have this incredible ability to bring energy to the virtual room where like everyone's in on this call. I mean, we're vibing. It feels good. It's exciting. I don't know anybody except for like a couple of handfuls of people. And it's like, man, I feel connected to people. How do you do that? How do you create this energy in a virtual space? That's a good question. Um, I I have to only ask myself that question in retrospect when we've done over a dozen to date PodMax virtual events, as you know, and I sort of just naturally, in a sense, fell into that role, into that position and noticed that after eight hours, which you know it is, and everybody consistently says, man, this time just flies by. Uh, it's, it's just playing into so many of my strengths, my skills, my talent, and my ability, which I know is how you set up the show to begin with that too many of us, myself included, this is why I'm so passionately talking about this is because I spent all my life hiding, right? As you alluded to, I'm the hidden entrepreneur because I spent 40 plus years hiding, showing up in every situation, hiding all of my strength, talent, and ability, everything that I was capable of doing in exchange for desperately wanting to seek your approval and mm. just didn't want to rock the boat, didn't want to make you feel awkward. So I just hit it and remained quiet. So now I, I'm, I'm able to take all of my skill, talent, and ability and put it out there. It's almost that simple, right? You do something, you, you do it as honestly and openly as you can, and you find what is being attracted and who you're attracting and what's being responded to. And you just sort of lean into that. I'm lucky enough to have a 15 year professional acting and film world behind my belt as well. So I learned a lot of the skill and the technique that are completely transferable, right? I guess it's no accident, which is why I was drawn to these days uh, podcasting and a microphone and being on video and honing communication skills, all great for business, all necessary for acting and film, podcasting included. So I'm just always honing my craft, honing my skill, doing what I enjoy doing, right? I love getting in front of people. I love eliciting dialogue and conversation and saying things that people may not have considered or thought of and being the one that could sort of spark that intuition and imagination within others. I think something that's fun about you too is you have this uncanny ability to um, and, and I apologize for our listeners who maybe haven't come to a PodMax event who are like, what are we talking about here? Which, by the way, you, you need to go to PodMax.co and get signed up. Like, what the heck are you waiting on? But, but Josh, as a show host, you have this awesome ability where, you know, as you're engaging with people in the room, communicating individuality to each person mm. in the room, like you call on some, hey, how are you doing today? And you always have a detail that's unique to that person. <laughs> Rather than like, hey, Blake, how's the weather where you are? Or, oh, you know, great. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, I don't know if, if that's something that's, I'm assuming it's intentional, but uh, it's a great skill set you have. Okay. Um, I, I don't get to talk about all of this stuff um, analytically a lot. So it's great to be able to process and say, oh yeah, that's right. I do do that. Thanks for pointing it out. Is it... Is it deliberate? Sure. Is it conscious? 
somewhat, meaning to me, it's just normal and natural, right? Because I'm very curious. I'm very uh, insightful. I'm very aware. Developing a sense of self-awareness, especially at this more positive time in my life versus four decades of negative, angry, frustrated, jealous, hurt, all of that. Now I've developed a sense of self-awareness that has, has enabled me to, to execute better. And so I, I'm, I'm very curious. I've always wanted to connect with people, but there's a lot of irony in that because for the majority of my life prior, um, I so desperately wanted to connect Yet I wouldn't let people in. I would keep them out. I would, you know, put on a front mm-hmm. and a mask. And it's like, well, how do you? Th- how, how could anybody get in when you're keeping them at a distance? Right. Right. That's the whole frustration that I would sit with behind closed doors and struggle with. So I always wanted to connect with people. Now I'm sort of able to, and it seems like just learning these little details and being emotionally involved and invested in people works out. And I bring that to the, uh, to the event. Thanks again for noticing that. You can, you can feel that energy and it's exciting. I think for people in the room, because I mean, there's, there's um, quite a few people who are at these events and yet there is this sense of individuality. I think it's powerful. Um, you know, just, I think people like that feeling. Um, something I want to go back to, which by the way, I'm, I'm disappointed because I did my digging and I thought I found a gym that you had had an acting career. And I thought I'd found this, this undiscovered gym. I don't know if you, if you usually talk about it, but I didn't know that about you until I mm-hmm. stumbled across and was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to bring this up. But then you just mentioned it. So now I can't prove that I did my digging. What um, an acting career. Yeah. 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 Your 15 year yeah. acting career. Sure. You've mentioned this common trend of um, hiding, of being masked. Uh, you even have a um, Twitter profile um, at hiding sucks. So this has been a running theme of okay. your conversation of how you talk about your story. Mm-hmm. I'd love to give the listeners a bit more insight as to really what this looked like back in the day. I mean, first of all, was there some kind of trauma you went through that made you want to hide and not fully show yourself? And then the second part of that question is, what did that practically look like for you? I mean, were you quiet, introverted? Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. What, what does this mean, this conversation on hiding? Yeah. So um, was there trauma? Yes, but um, slow and steady trauma, right? I don't have the story where it was this one defining moment like this happened. The slow and steady as a young child is I'm the youngest of three sons. My parents always, well, my mom always wanted that daughter. She didn't get it. So um, I just, uh, I, I always felt left out and I felt ignored, unloved, disregarded, not included right? As a young child, how do you deal with that, right? My father was more often at the bar than he was in the house. So, you know, and my mom was just really doing her best, which meant I was left alone. My brothers are six and nine years older than me. So what did I have to do? So I, I was feeling insecure and uncared for from a very early age. So that kind of trauma and just trying to find your sense of self, your sense of self-worth, self-esteem, self-validity. I couldn't find it. I couldn't get anybody to validate me 
And that was the problem. I, I didn't have the tools, the knowledge, the know-how to validate myself. So I'm out there looking for it. Um, introverted? No, not by a long shot. I was the annoying extrovert, right? <laughs> trying to put on a show, trying to get attention because I was so desperate for love, attention, affection, approval, validation, which never came. Eighth grade, I got bit by the acting bug. I had the opportunity to audition for the school play, which I never really did or considered before, but it seemed to, you know, life took me in that direction and I auditioned and I got cast as the comic relief, which is the one that's responsible for making the audience laugh. So it was, it was this drug awareness program, this play, and I'm the one up on stage bumbling around and looking like a fool and the audience, hundreds of my classmates are now laughing at me. At me, of course, not with me, but I was getting this laughter and these applause. And I said, this is amazing. I want more of this. I think the validation that I'm looking for is somewhere there. If I can get more of this or the right this or enough of this, I'll probably feel whole and complete. Mm. Doesn't work that way, right? I was looking for it from the outside. So from eighth grade, I set on a path to find it. Fudged my way through high school, C's and D's at best. I wasn't a student, didn't care, didn't like it. Got accepted to Montclair State University as a BFA acting major, which was great because I thought that this was my, I'm like, look, I'm doing it. It's the kind of program where each year you have to re-audition for your spot. So after freshman year, I auditioned for the dean as we all did and then spoke with her and she basically said, we're not going to ask you back. Wow. And I said, and I'm, I'm sitting there in tears. And she said, well, you know what? You're just a little green. You have to go out and get some life experience. I was a very young 18 year old. Uh, and I didn't have any sort of, you know, maturity under my belt. Uh, and she wasn't wrong. So I figured, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then went back to my home in New Jersey where I was and then saw an audition notice for a musical theater conservatory in New York City. I said, well, this is great. I'll become a musical theater Broadway actor. How yeah. wonderful. Auditioned, got in, which was great. Acting, singing, and dancing. Yes, take a minute to visualize that. There were tap shoes. There was jazz belts. There was ballet class. All of it. Now, acting, singing, and dancing, I back in the day, I wasn't good at two out of those three things, <laughs> so, but I was a good actor. And my roommate at the time and I were in a very similar boat and we just made each other laugh. We cracked each other up and we said, you know, I think there's something here. Why don't we take this on the road? And we sort of honed our skills as a comedy team and spent seven years in the making um, doing doing comedy bits on stage and movies across the land at colleges. And it was it was a great run all the while seeking that approval and validation. Right. Yeah. Hoping that it would fulfill and I would learn. It just never did. So you're essentially chasing this this high or this drug of validation. What, what was the moment that you sort of because it's it's so great how easily you describe 
how you were and who you were. I mean, it's such, it's obvious how self-aware and how much you've thought about this retrospectively. Mm. What Was there a moment that happened that you were like, oh my gosh, like you suddenly now you see yourself in the mirror or did you just, is it now just after, you know, years of thinking on it that you kind of have realized who you were? You mean the, the adjustment and yeah, yeah, coming, coming out of that? Now you're obviously, you're, you're very comfortable. Adjusted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and you, you talk, you're so confident today, you know, your role today and you look back to who that person you were, what flipped the switch? My two children. Today, I'm blessed with two adoring children. I have an eight-year-old daughter, six-year-old son, who, my goodness, I just love playing that role and being dad, being father. I always knew growing up that I would like that, that I, I always saw myself. I was like, you know, I, I, I want to be a father. I'd probably be very good at it with, funny enough, so much of my anger and frustration and confusion all these years was being out in the world, seeing people do what I knew darn well I could either be doing or honestly be doing better, right? But I wasn't because I was scared out of my mind. So I'd go back home behind closed doors and cry and right and like be jealous and angry and frustrated and all those negative emotions just because I was seeing mm -hmm. a reflection of what I knew I was capable of doing. I always knew what I was capable of doing. I just never took took the reins to do it. And I would kick and scream and say, oh, why? And never worked because you didn't do anything about it. You just sat there. So now my two adoring children early on in their young lives, I realized oh, I see what's happening here. I'm the child in this group and I'm the one with work to do. And I said, guys, you know, I'm not going to, what I think a lot of people do is look at their children or friends or family and try to change them to fit their mold of what feels good. But I said, you guys just keep doing what you're doing. It's time. I'm the one who has work to do because I'm not going to continue down this path. Fast forward in my mind to 20 years down the road. I'm now an empty nester. And if I continued they're going to grow up much like me if that's who they were around and, you know, saw all that insecurity and madness and picturing that there would have been nothing I can do to change the, the, the outcome of my life in that moment. And I said, well, I can change now, right? I'm, I'm, I'm better than this. I'm going to do it for me. I'm going to do it for them. Let's go. So I just started making adjustments. Like that realization was enough for me. Like these two humans who I just, I, I adore. I want to make proud. I want to be good. I want to do this right. Which again, I always knew what I was capable of doing, just never did it. Now I said, it's, it's time. I got to start doing this. And here we are. I think what's amazing about your story is, and this happens a lot, I think, in the entrepreneurial world where you see someone like yourself who, you know, you're running the Hidden Entrepreneur, you're running PodMax, and it's these events that are so, they're powerful. They're powerful in their influence and how they affect people. I mean, people who, um, having been to several of these events, I mean, I'll see people even say things like, hey, this is life-changing. This is mm -hmm. really incredible. So this isn't like some random event. Like this is something that people, as soon as one event ends, they're already marking their calendar for the next one because it's that meaningful for them. Do you ever talk to people who they are 
in that moment of they've they've created this awesome incredible thing but they don't give credit to the journey of how they got there because it feels like on social media a lot of times what people present is that that destination point mm. and there's almost some shame or maybe not shame but just unwillingness to really get into the details of hey it has taken me 10 years or i have been in your case you know hiding for 40 years of my life for you it's this incredible part of your story it seems like a lot of people they just tell that very last detail of and now i've made it and now i'm here do you ever see that happen do you ever talk to people who who they tend to do that well, the, I think the problem is um, shame or embarrassment, which I've had to, and, and really in real time, I'm still very aware of that element that, first of all, we're all deep, well-rounded people, but we try to put on very black or white things, meaning I got to cover up this aspect of myself when we are all very complicated people. We are all very much the same, doing very much the same things, holding the same struggles and insecurities and outcomes and outbursts. And we get certain emotional feelings about that. And then we have to push it down. I think what you're referring to are, are people's insecurities and lack of awareness of what sharing those kinds of things would would do would bring in color to the whole of the process right they're just sharing as you pointed out just a sliver of what the now is and hoping that that's going to impress or get the result or outcome that they think it will do which is why they're doing it while missing the boat mm -hmm. and that's what i i help teach and train on today it's not about your business. It's not about where you are today, per se. There is so much more, right? Like I'd want to spend 80 to 85% talking about and learning about and discovering about you, where you came from, who you are, how you got there, what happened, why it happened, how you dealt with it, where you went right, where you went wrong. Oh, and by the way, what? where did it all lead to? What's real time? Where are we going? What's happening now? So I think that a lot of people do miss that, just that knowledge of, okay, it's not what I do, who I help, why I help them. Yes, important, but that's a small part of the whole. The whole is bringing to the table, taking time, embracing who you were that got you here. That's what excites me. That's what I can talk about all day. It seems like that's also like from like a pure sales perspective, like the people you eventually work with, people like to work with, it sounds silly, but other humans, yeah. right? Like with the yeah. actual stories and actual, like they've yeah. been through something. Um, for people who are listening, who they're thinking about this concept and they're thinking about, okay, I want to sort of own my mess mm. or at least own my journey. What's the balance between, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to share where I've come from, who I am, but at the same time, I don't want to come across as incompetent or I don't have it together or, you know, I, I, you do still want to hire me or work with me. I mean, what does it look like to manage that story and yet still communicate Hey, I'm that I'm that person who has an answer for a problem that people are looking to be solved. 
it comes down to in real time today, walking the walk, talking the talk. You have to personally get the results for you and or the immediate clients that you are serving that you claim you want to get for others, mm. whatever that product or service is, you must. That is step one, right? Like coaches, consultants, trainers, product and service providers, you have to do the work in real time, get the result, do it, do it, do it, get it out there. That's how you build the resume. That's how you build the confidence. Then like me, this is why I have no problem talking about all the stuff I'm talking about. And to get meta for a minute, the answer to your question lies in exactly what I am doing in real time here. I like to think that I'm a walking and talking example of what I teach, right? I claim to teach and train entrepreneurs and thought leaders how to better communicate tell their story, show up wonderfully on camera, on video, uh, on the microphone, create shows and podcasts for yourself. Well, then I better be doing that well myself. Hmm. So I'm making sure that showing up like this in real time sort of displays that. And then people, whether they realize it or not, they're like, I want to do that. He can show me how to do that. Well, if you think I'm doing it remotely well, then probably yes. If I claim to be able to do it for you and I'm doing it for myself, then yes, then connect the dots. So somebody who wants to do this and, and worry about, well, am I, how am I going to be perceived? How am I going to be looked upon? I'm thrilled to be able to share the lowest of the low, the most embarrassing, right? Calling myself an immature person by saying I was the child mm -hmm. within the group of my two young children. I'm confident enough to say that because of the results today I'm getting for myself and therefore for the people that I serve. Yeah, it makes me think of the person who like says they're like the YouTube expert and you go to their YouTube and they have, you know, one video over the last nine months and like four makes followers. No yeah, it makes no, no followers. Sense. Yeah. So for someone always... like your wife who's seen, I'm assuming she's seen the transformation happen. Mm -hmm. How does she talk about it? I mean, is it is it kind of jarring of thinking about, okay, the, I have, the, the Josh I married versus That's correct. the Josh I have now. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that is that strange at all for her or... Not probably. strange, but I don't know the wording <laughs> yeah. for it. But I, I mean, it's probably actually a bit inspiring, actually, to see the person you've become. That's my goal is to whether for her or anybody else to make it. You want to use the word inspiring. Fine. But it's also to show what's possible to put it into perspective. You know, the story of the four minute mile, right? Mm hmm. Uh, in it, whatever year that was in the somewhere in the 1900s, nobody broke running the four minute mile because they thought it couldn't be done. And it wasn't done until one person broke the four minute mile. Then miraculously, because the way our minds work, everybody said, okay, it is possible. I'm now aware and conscious that it is possible. So then from there, many others were able to miraculously do it. That's what I'm doing. That's how I wake up and provide value every day is by running my version of the four minute mile, sharing my story. So hopefully somebody will hear it, 
see it, absorb it and say, oh my God, I can do that. It's that simple, right? So by Mm -hmm. me just, instead of saying, hey, work with me, you have to do this. It's like, no, I'm just sharing my four minute mile telling you what I do, how I do it. You're watching me in action, where I came from. And then you might say, oh, I can can do that. I can run that four minute mile. It's perfect. Do you ever talk to people who they um, like their giftings and their talents are like, I mean, they're, they're incredible, but for them, they're just kind of like, Oh, that we have that. I, cause I'm assuming there's people even listening who they, they have a really special skill set or gifting, but for them, it feels pretty normal or feels pretty mundane. So how often do you talk to people who you're sort of helping them realize, Hey, actually that, that piece of you, that's something that's, that's special. That's interesting. That's powerful. I think a lot of people, I think most of the people I work with have an element of that, that they're just not aware and they're not seeing it. You know, that's, I think the way life is set up that we, we can't always grasp. I love going out and I love almost interrogating people when I can get some feedback and people are like, Hey, I, I, I like what you did there. I like what you said. There. Why? Tell me more. I, mm-hmm. I, I just like sink into that. Cause I, I know my perspective we cannot always believe what we think. So when I get somebody who's willing to give me just natural feedback, I want to get their impression and figure out what they saw, how it came across. And I think that that's a skill that all of us should perfect, put any sort of fear or egocentric aside and be open to that. Uh, a, A lot of people though, have, have, don't have the full knowledge and version of what they're bringing to the table. And to bring it back around to PodMax, when I'm in the virtual room with uh, several dozen people, there's a way that I'm trying to sort of shine a light and spotlight and bring out those elements, show you through conversation and dialogue what I'm seeing. So then you could see it yourself and say, oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize that. And then it's up to you to do something with it. Yeah. It's like when someone describes you in like a really positive way and you're like, oh, wow, I, I guess I am that cool right. person, you know? So what, what, I mean, we're talking about is a running conversation um, or running, excuse me, a theme in this conversation is this concept of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And we even just mentioned it there on, you get a, you get an accolade or a compliment and you're kind of like, oh, wow, I never really thought of that before. Harvard Business Review has talked about how the percentage of people who are actually self-aware is really only around 10%. So really only one in 10 people are actually self-aware as to who they are, their personality, how they come across to people. What do you think is keeping the other 90% from being more in tune with who they are and and really to their to their benefit or even detriment, how they're coming across to other people, how they're using their skill set. What's what's the challenge there that's keeping people from being more self-aware? A sense of negative selfishness. And I use that phrase negative because I think we all need to be first and foremost selfish, right? Simply put, you know, it's that analogy we always hear about put your oxygen mask on first. Right. That's what I'm referring to. It must be, you must be extremely selfish in order to positively serve and impact anybody else. So I think people are negatively selfish due to fear. They're scared out of their minds to really see and embrace who they are, 
how they're being perceived, what they're doing, because we all have the ability. It's it's not like 10% are blessed and graced with some sort of thing that allows them to be self-aware, right? So now the question is, well, why are 90% not self-aware? Because A, they don't want to be on a very subconscious level because they're scared out of their minds. So they're just showing up, doing what they think they ought to be doing, which a lot of people want to control everything. I don't think this gets spoken about nearly enough as it should. If you really are called to be a little self-aware, if you really take a step back and really evaluate your motives for everything you do, how you do it, who you talk to, how you talk to them, what you're saying, what you're expecting, how you're expecting it, it'll come down to control. Hmm. You need a sense of control. Some are normal and acceptable, but the other side of that, you know, when we know negative control, like somebody is controlling that has a very negative take and stance and mm-hmm. you know that that has its own thing but we it's life is life is freaking quirky we know that right <laughs> it's we're all trying to figure it out every moment of every day and we rarely get it right we're just doing the best we can but what's crazy is we 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 rely on control because life is so fragile, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to die. If I'm being blunt, right? We are wired to resist that. So we're wired to survive. So we need a sense of control for stability. So being self-aware, you, you have to keep that level of control in check. And I think too often it gets out of control. And at any cost, we want to control everything. We want to control the situation. We want to predetermine the outcome of every interaction at all costs. So I'm going to get my thought, my agenda, my determination out here and force you to see it so I can know mm-hmm. how it's going to end and feel comfortable in the process. And that doesn't give you any sense of self-awareness because in order to be self-aware, you have to take a step back and evaluate and judge yourself and say, how was that? What did I do right? What did I do wrong? What could I do better? And I think 90% of the people aren't willing to do it. And it's, it's, it's pretty scary when you look at yourself and say, wow, that, that detail, I suck at that. <laughs> and I, I handled that really badly. Or even I so appreciate something you mentioned earlier, and you were essentially talking about having people who can give you feedback, mm. um, seeking out truth tellers in your life, you know, even friends or even not necessarily friends, even potential customers who can say, yeah, yeah that thing that you think is really great. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Um, but it feels like that's the answer to developing us and growing us. It's not easy, right? Let's just get that out. It is not easy. Um, I, 40 plus years, I didn't want to hear anything. I couldn't hear anything. Everything was painful. Everything I took personally. Now I'm at a point in my life where thankfully I've stacked some habits that allow me to be a little more comfortable and confident in who I am and how I'm doing it and what it means and why I'm doing it, that I can welcome it. And then just like everything else of my day to day, which becomes habitual, more positive than negative. That's the goal. Replace as many negative habits and patterns and beliefs 
and rituals with positive ones slowly but surely stack them and then repeat from the minute you wake up and how you wake up to the minute you go to bed and how you go to bed. That's all I'm doing every day is just trying to do a little more positives than negatives. Negatives creep in all the time, but it's now getting out of them and through them as quickly as possible. That's the game. But now I'm at a point where I sort of make a habit where I will get in front of an opportunity to be told and see feedback, awareness of, wait, wait, how do you feel about that? What did I do? And then what that does is it stings less and less. Hmm. Like just like anything else you do over and over again, it stings less and less. And that's power. And I want to win, right? I want to succeed for my children. Let's go back to uh, 14 minutes ago when I brought that part up. That's the big why. That's enough for me. So if I could tell me how good or bad I am, right? Mm -hmm. What did I do wrong? What bothered you? What annoyed you? What worked? What didn't? Stings less and less. I don't take it personally. Then it becomes a habit. Again, not easy, but you got to do it and do it and do it and do it. The old phrase put in the reps. And then it's possible. You've developed an appetite for it. And I, I think it's admirable because it's in today's culture, people don't always give feedback in mm -hmm. the most constructive way. Sure. Sometimes people give it in very hurtful ways. And I, I think for the in there. Mm -hmm. for the new entrepreneur, I think, and here's what's interesting about entrepreneurship is we make it seem very sexy and incredible. And it, it, it is incredible. I don't know how sexy it is, but <laughs> the new entrepreneur, I think we realize very quickly how fragile we are and how out of control we are, which can sometimes keep us from seeking out that much needed feedback to shape our business, shape what we're going to offer, what have you. Mm -hmm. um, so this is, this is powerful. Talk to me a little bit, getting more practical. You talked about getting rid, you've, you've sort of reshaped your habits, getting rid of the negative habits and just trying to do more of the positive ones. What does that literally look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Like what are some of the things that you're doing um, just so our audience can understand? Yep. There was the moment when I had the realization with my children that this guy's the child. I got it. I got to do some work. I then said, all right, I, I've always known this, but let's, okay, theme, self-aware. What am I doing morning, noon, and night that probably is getting in the way and that I'm probably aware of is not helping my, my thing here? So uh, I took a piece of paper and I started acknowledging some things that I was doing every single day that were getting in the way. And I said, well, I probably shouldn't be doing that every single night, mm -hmm. right? Probably not good. I could probably change the way that happens in the afternoon. Well, what about my mornings? Oh yeah, well, okay, I do this. That's nah, not really good. And then when I think this, that leads to that. Let's see if we can replace that. And then the biggest thing is, is overwhelm. We all know, you know, the, um, new year's resolutions, we're motivated, we're excited. We want to lose weight three or four weeks. And then it peters out, right? right. I'm going to lose 50 pounds in five weeks. Are you, uh, I knew I didn't want to take that approach. So I'm like, let me do this methodically, slowly, but surely, right? One thing at a time and then enjoy that victory, enjoy that win, enjoy that feeling. And then once I get into a habit and pattern with that stack, stack something new onto it and see what happens. And that's what I was doing. So I just started removing a lot of these normal, obvious things. And 
started reading and figuring out what people who are as successful as I want to be, what are they doing, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't a new concept. What are they doing in the morning? How are they getting up? How are they, what are they doing in that first hour, right? The Miracle Morning, for example. Uh, I follow it somewhat, right? But that's a great base. So what do I do? I get up. Uh, it, these days, I get up at six o'clock, seven days a week by alarm, no snooze, right? That's something that helps. Get up as early as you possibly can. As soon as the alarm goes off, no snooze, get up. Okay, then what happens in the first hour? Hydrate, I drink 24 ounces of lemon and, and pink sea salt water, right? I read something good, no social media. You've heard this before probably. Okay, so that, that's what I do. I, I don't, you know, I use my phone, but not for social media or email. Yeah. So I'm reading, I'm stretching, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm then exercising, I'm eating healthy, I'm eating right. Mm -hmm. I'm journaling. That's all in the first hour that I'm up. And you know, you've heard it. That sets your day yeah. for good. And then you just do these and you do these and you do these and you find the reason to stick with it. You acknowledge the wins. You find the wins. It feels good. And you keep circling back. I haven't heard that concept of the stack before, but it's so intuitive. That small baby step that yeah. It, it becomes habitual and then you build on that. It, is that from something? Did you come up with that or what's from? It's from here. <laughs> it's from my mind. It's just from it's what great. I yeah. realized I was doing, yeah, right? Yeah. Self-aware, retrospect. Hey, how'd that happen? How'd I go back from point A? How'd I get from point A to point B? What was there? What's here now? And what's that middle ground that I was mm -hmm. able to, to cross over from? Yeah, a stack. I like that. And yeah. I, I love how diligent you describe your routine uh, because I've talked to some people. I talked to a guy who he uh, was a younger guy and he said, man, I just so badly want to be an entrepreneur. And I said, okay, well, what do you think that means? And he said, oh, it's great. You you sleep in as late as you want and no one tells you what to do. <laughs> I was like, okay, I, wow. maybe I need to send him this episode because I it's a very different... It, honestly, it's kind of how social media has portrayed entrepreneurship um, compared to what you're talking about, which still rewarding, still amazing, but very methodical. Yeah. And the other thing, I'm glad you brought up like the tangible things that I'm doing. And again, just because you do them for a day, a week, a month, or even a year, mm, it's like uh, a recovering alcoholic, right? Should probably never take the drink, no matter how long they've been sober for every morning they wake up, right? Same exact thing. I'm recovering in my own ways, in many ways from all the negative crap that I was doing. So it is a daily thing and a daily habit that has to be in place mm -hmm. disclaimer there and what's what's amazing is not only these tangible habits our emotions are also habitual so much of how we experience the day emotionally which colors and defines our experience so much of those emotions are triggered habitually we find ourselves you know, seething or angry or frustrated or jealous or confused or despair or lonely or aggravated or, you know, even the positive ones, but those are a lot of negative ones that I was going through. Yeah. So many of those are, we, we don't consciously think, I, I'm, I, I have to get angry over this. Let me get angry for a minute. No, right? We, before we turn around, we've done 30 seconds of right. acting out 
and we're like, oh my God, calm down for a minute. You're freaking angry, bro. And you're saying this to yourself. Yeah. And then you, then you hate yourself. You're shamed, embarrassed, you're frustrated, right? On, on a good day. And so all that to say, not only these tangible habits, but it's possible to also become theme alert, self-aware of what emotional triggers are happening. So you can eventually put space between that, see them coming and then say, whoa, 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 I'm not going to let this get to me right now. Right. So right. Both of those sides. I think what's really, uh, actually, let me just shape this into a question. Our last question for our conversation, you, you've, you've told this really amazing story and I'm, I mean, I feel motivated just listening to you of like, okay, yeah, what, what habits do I need to change even in my day-to-day life? And I know there's people listening to who they're thinking about their skill set, they're thinking about their talents and they're thinking about, okay, I want to bring this to a head. I want to, I want to essentially walk out what my giftings are. What's your advice for people who they feel burdened by the clock, meaning they feel like they're running out of time? So like a friend of mine, for example, Mm -hmm. he's really passionate about marketing, really passionate about advertising, really wants to um, jump into this field as an entrepreneur. And he said, oh, well, we're having our fourth kid. And so I feel like by the time our kid comes, like I have a family to watch. I have, um, I'm responsible for them. I can't leave my job. You know, my time's running out. And I hear this conversation a lot with mm-hmm. people who mm-hmm. they feel like that moment to become that entrepreneur or really to walk out their calling is very limited. W- what's your advice for people who think that or feel you're that? Make, you're making an excuse. <laughs> Only Love you... It. Only you are saying that if, 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 if that's your deal, if that's the story you want to stick to, then fine. But I, I'm saying you're making an excuse. You're not underground yet. You're not underground yet. So you have one of two choices. Keep doing what you're doing. Make excuses and justifications. There's no time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources, whatever, or not, or do it. It's powerful. It's powerful. And I love uh, how you got to the chase. You're so right. It is an excuse. So it's powerful. And and I don't need to convince, right? Be- all, all I need to do is shine that light that reflection. And Mm -hmm. if it's like, I don't know what the problem is, but this is what I feel. Yeah. It's an excuse. And there's, there's one of one of two choices. It's your choice to go down any road and I'm not going to validate or justify either of them. I'm only going to help you see what's possible Mm -hmm. in either of those choices through my actions and my doing every moment Mm -hmm. of my time. Powerful challenge for our listeners as we wrap up today, Josh. What's what's next? I mean, for people who they're they're listening to to you and they're thinking, okay, I gotta engage with this guy. I gotta go to one of these events. I gotta work with this guy. I mean, what what are the next steps for people who are listening? You come over to joshcarry.com, Get in touch with me. We have a conversation, right? I can take you down whatever path makes the most sense based on where you are, but it's all relatively the same travel log. It's just different, different story, but I'll help you unravel it. I'll help you get from where you are to where you want to be in the quickest amount of time while having the most fun doing it. Imagine that. I love it. I love it. Josh, you've been an amazing guest today. Thanks for joining us today. 
Absolute pleasure, Blake. Thank you. Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to put the link to joshcarry.com down in the EBSCO description below. And hey, if you've been following this podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button so you keep getting good advice wherever you are. And don't forget, if you want to support the podcast, we are on Patreon. You can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash good advice. You can also get your business advertised in the introduction of the podcast. Again, that's patreon.com slash good advice. That's all the good advice we have for you today. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you later. 